Welcome to the Real Estate Masters Podcast, a podcast with top real estate agents sharing insights of how they've grown their business. Every guest is unique and serves different markets, so you will find value in each and every episode. And now our host, executive coach, April Mack. Welcome to Real Estate Masters Podcast. I'm so happy to have you joining me today. In this episode, I am interviewing the number one agent in her market in Pueblo, Colorado, and that is Jamie Baker Orr. And I know that you're going to love this interview because it is packed full, as most all of our interviews are, with some great information. And you know, I tell you all the time, but I love getting to interview each unique guest because they all bring something different to the table and where your personality may not fit with some guests and you might say, I could never work that way. There's usually something from every interview that I believe you could implement into your business and help you to grow, succeed, and be better than you were before. So thank you so much. It's great. We're getting some really great reviews. And can I remind you, please, please, subscribe and give us a review on whatever platform that you're watch uh, that you're listening to the podcast on. I was very thankful of recently we had a really great review come in. It says love this. I find something that I can implement into my business from everyone that I've listened to and I've listened to them all so far. Thank you to each guest for sharing and that came from persons signed off living a full life from the United States. And so thanks for giving us that review. We appreciate it and it will help us and for more people to be able to find our podcast. So we're going to get right to this episode, to this interview with Jamie. I know that you're going to love it and uh, make sure you listen all the way to the end because it is packed full of some great stuff. Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited for us to record this interview. Well, it's so nice meeting you, April. I'm excited too. Tell me a little bit about you and just how you got into business and and who is Jamie? Who's Jamie? That's a good question. So I've been in the business since about 2002. I got started, I would say by accident. My uh, dad bought a bunch of vacant lands where we, vacant land lots where we live and uh, was like, hey, you should sell these for me. So I decided to go to real estate school to sell my dad's lots, which is kind of a funny story. And um, it just kind of grew from there. So I, we built our first house and I got into construction and development. And then when the market crashed and I would say seven, eight is kind of when it hit us hard. I went into the resale business, basically um, mm. listing homes. Wow. Interesting. So, so what does your business look like now? So we're the number one um, team in our area. We're number two in uh, Keller Williams in our region in Colorado. So we have a team of agents. It's gone from just me to me and an assistant to now we have three buyer's agents. So we sell about, this year we'll sell about 300 units. Wow. About 60 million in production. That's awesome. And tell our listeners again, in case they didn't catch that, exactly where you are. So we're in Pueblo, Colorado. It's about 30 minutes south of Colorado Springs. Yeah. And I mentioned to you earlier before we started recording that I lived in Pueblo when I was in junior high school. So it's a very lovely place. I have so many wonderful memories and I'm spending Christmas in Vail and Breckenridge and skiing. And of course, the closest place there was Monarch and would go there just for the day to. So are you a skier? I used to be. So <laughs> the older you get, the less you ski because of injury. But I used to ski as a, a young adult and a child. My dad and mom taught us how to ski right away. I still water ski and I enjoy the lake a little more. It's a little softer on the joints. Right. Yeah, we water skied when I lived there as well. So yeah, a lot of uh, sweet memories that are coming to my mind as I think about Pueblo and it's just a beautiful place. Lived there and could see Pikes Peak out of our out of our patio window. So yeah. um, well, tell me, so how long have you been in business, Jamie? 
So I got my real estate license in 2002. I wouldn't say truly in a resale business or in the real estate world because I was doing all the investments and building for ourselves. I would say 2006 is when I really got, I would say, serious about real estate. Mm, Yeah. So about 14 years, you've been really serious and busy about it. And how long have you been number one in your market? This will be the fourth year in a row. Oh, wow. That's incredible. So in 10 years of really being in the business full time, you became the number one in your market. Yes. Is there anything that you would say catapulted you to that position? Drive. Drive is huge (laughs) for me. So being number one, I'm very competitive. So that's probably a good and a bad thing. One of the things I think I learned throughout my career is systems. I think a lot of agents lose a lot of people because they get busy and they don't mean to not touch base. But, you know, as well as I do, you've been in real estate, you get swamped with a few people or, you know, quite a few people. And then you forget to call Mm. somebody, you know, two or three days later. So we have amazing systems and our follow up is, uh, I would say, second to none. And um I think that's the key. I really think just, and being sincere, being who you are. So I am what I am. I, I don't sugarcoat it. I, I'm, I treat people like I want to be treated. So if you're uh, my mother's age, I'm going to treat you like I treat my mother. If you're my sister, I treat you like my my sister. So I think Mm -hmm. those things really help because people know if you're genuine or not. And there's times I haven't sold houses. It wasn't in their best you know, it wasn't in the best thing for them to do with their life. And mm-hmm. I think people appreciate that when you can, when you could say, maybe this isn't a good fit, you know, mm-hmm. you should wait if you're going to get relocated or things like that. And I think that is truly what people respect and, and they, it always comes back. So if you don't sell somebody a house and you're really honest with them and, and sincere, they'll refer everybody to you. Hmm. Yeah, that's so true. But you know, you mentioned that having those systems in place was there a, a point that there were just the growing pains? Because you know, I know so often in any business, you know all the things that need to be done, and you're so struggling with having the time to do them. How did you really work through that? I mean, were there some growing pains in that? We are still going through growing pains. So <laughs> I think it's a, you know, you kind of catch up and then it, you expand and you go through it again. So yes, absolutely. I think the hardest thing for me is when I hired an assistant is that I'm really responsible for the income to their family. So I take mm. it very seriously. And I think initially it's like, okay, can I do this? Am I really this busy? Because you get nervous that wonder if the market changes. And now that I've been in the business a little longer, you can see market conditions and and read that, I would say, a little bit better. So, but once I hired her, once I made the commitment, it was so much easier. And the I just got really lucky because I've had some really amazing assistants. And one assistant in particular that's been with me now for six years is just great as systems. She's the perfect match because I'm a I'm a big thinker and she puts everything into into steps. And so I think that really helped us. And we work really well together. So she knows how I like to work and she knows how I like to run my business. And um, it was a really good match. Yes, I have to say I was very impressed because your assistant... I assume, are you are referring to your assistant, April? I have, um, April's our social media person, okay. but she is amazing too. I'm so lucky. I have the best team ever. Sabrina's actually been the one that's been with me for six months. Okay. Six years. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I communicated with April, which makes sense. She, she is your social media person. And, but I was just impressed because, you know, somebody else was communicating with me on your behalf to set this up, to set up the interview. And, you know, it seemed as though they had everything set up ready for you to just come in and do the recording. And I think that is so wise because obviously you're spending your time doing what your position is and you're letting someone else do those things for you 
um, and it's the best use of your time. And so I think that's so great. If somebody had, I mean, if they're just starting in, you know, they're one agent, they're doing well, no team. What do you think would, what would you recommend would be the first hire? Definitely an assistant. So Mm. agents tend to want to do everything themselves because we are perfectionists. Most agents I know are very type A personality. Nobody can do it better than me. I want to have my hands into everything. And for me, having an assistant made a huge difference. And what it did is it took away the time of me doing returning emails or sending a contract somewhere to where I could really focus on what makes us money, which is buyers and sellers. And that's the part I love about the job. I really don't love the paperwork, but Mm -hmm. I love the people. So it gives me the freedom to go out and do the things I love to do while she's doing the things she loves to do. True. Thank God there are those hardwired people that love systems and organization and they love the paperwork and I'm so thankful they exist. (laughs) Me too. Yes. Well, it does sound like, so tell us a little more about what your team consists of. So we have um, our social media expert, which is April. We have three buyer's agents. I'm the main listing agent, but all the buyer's agents can list as well if they have clients and want to list their homes. I have a listing assistant, a contract to closing assistant, a contact assistant, which basically helps us keep up with all of the leads that come in and follow up. So all of our referrals and things like that. And then Sabrina, who does a little bit of everything. She's been with me the longest and knows every job in our office. And then my dad works for me and he puts up our signs, does house measurements, um, delivers things that I need like brochures and things like that. So Awesome. So how many people total is that? We have, um, I believe it's 11 total. Wow. So do you mind to tell us a little about really the structure of your team? Because I mean, you've told us what everyone does, but are you set up where everything is going under under you or, or do they all kind of, do you just work together and they also have their own business? Do you mind to share a little bit about that? So so they all go under our team, the Jamie Baker or team. Okay. So all the sales go recorded under there. And the way that it works is, is, we're busy enough now where I don't have a lot of time to work with buyers. I still enjoy buyers, but they take more time than listings. So I handle most of the listings that come in. And then of course, still some of my clients that I've sold several houses in the past. And then any buyer that comes in that maybe is a new buyer or new to our team, or I've worked with in the past that I can say, look, I have this amazing buyer's agent. I'm still going to be involved in your transaction but they're going to help us in looking at properties and um, doing some of the paperwork, negotiating the deal, but I'll be involved during that process. Then they go to our buyer's agents. And then we do expect our buyer's agents to bring in their own business because you can't just depend on one person to to um, bringing in business. So they do bring in their own as well. And I think they learn a lot as you're going. So I have 20 years of experience basically in real estate, maybe even a little longer than that with the flipping. But I've learned through 20 years of heartache or, you know, the good old times when you know you wish you'd done something totally different. And I try and educate them on that as we're going. So if you, so part of our meetings, we have a sales meeting every week is what are you encountering that was difficult or you need help maybe working through or how would I respond to something? How did you respond to it? And I think as a group, we all learn from each other because we all have very different personalities. Right. And and I think sharing is the key, right? Yes. Awesome. You know, it, for someone that's newer to the business, I mean, you hear pros and cons working with a team, working independently, you know, what would, how would you summarize having a team and and how that's affected your business? So working with a team is very exciting. So I think it really helps with 
taking care of our customer, which is our number one priority, right? We want to give five-star service. That's kind of our saying is we want to give you five-star service. And at the end of our deal, we always say, did we, did we give you five-star service? If we didn't, how can we change things? And I think with that dynamic, you have the ability to say, Hey, Cindy, can you call this person for me? Or I'm going to be out of town. Can you present this offer? So our clients really know that they're number one. Working with a team, you know, there's a lot of dynamics there. You have to make sure that everybody can get along. We have had some problems in the past where it wasn't exactly a great fit or a great fit for the team. And we've had to make some changes. As far as being an individual agent, you know, I love that as well, but someday you'll outgrow. You won't have enough time to be able to to manage everybody that you want to. Right. So I think it's a growth process. If if I was starting in a new marketplace, let's say I moved to Florida, I would go work under a big team oh. because a big team would be able to teach me marketplace, right? The local rules of things, water conditions, soil conditions. HOAs, because they already have the experience. So for me, that experience is worth something. Right. I love that. You know, that's, that's a perspective that a lot of people don't bring up. And so that's really great information. I appreciate you sharing that. What would you say you spend the majority of your time doing? Because you are a team. Majority would be listings and paperwork as far as you know, profit and loss, those types of things, making sure that the business is running correctly and that um, we're spending, I'd say we work a lot on marketing. April and I do a lot of things together, but mainly sellers and just keeping the business healthy. Right. Because now you're not just a real estate agent, you're running a business. Correct. And, and I take it very seriously. So we have a, you know, we have a big overhead and you have to make sure that those leads are coming in consistently and what can we do better? And and I'm always open to improvement. Nobody mm-hmm. does everything perfectly. So sometimes people say, let's try this. And it's a great idea. So we try it and it works. And sometimes we try it and it doesn't work. But sure. How are you marketing yourself? We do a little bit, I would say, of everything. So we still have a local paper, which you'll think that's funny. So we still have the Pueblo Chieftain. And we still mm-hmm. have about 52% readership, which is really not typical across the country. Most people are getting it through a phone or computer. So um, we do some of that. I support a lot of the local events that are going on. So football teams, movies in the park, the bowling alley. So there's all these little things that I like to do to give back to the community. And I'm in the position to do it. So I enjoy it. Um, We do a lot of social media. So uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Google+. Plus everywhere. We're everywhere. And Mm -hmm. then uh, a lot of past marketing. So we, we reach out to our past clients. And I think that would be one of the main things that I tell new agents to do is start your database, 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 because you think you're going to remember the 10 people you sold a house to the first year or the 12 people, whatever it is. And by the third year, you don't remember the first people. Mm -hmm. So that repeat business is huge. That would be the one thing I wish I would have done differently in the beginning. Right. So, yes. Interesting. So is there one particular piece of marketing that you feel like you get the best return on? Right now, I would say it's probably social media. Hmm. If you would have asked me three years ago, it would have been the paper. But now the paper's so far behind by the time it gets published, the house is already sold. Right. Um, the key really is not one particular thing. So I always tell agents, don't put your money into one avenue because one avenue isn't enough. You need to kind of be seen everywhere, right? So right. you want people to see you at the bowling alley. You want them to see you at the high school games because the more that they see your face, the more they they put you with being an expert in your field. So the one thing that agents don't do, which is frustrating, is that they don't put money away for marketing. So they sell a house, they they don't run it as a business and put some money money away for marketing because it's the only way to grow your business is people have to know you're in business. Right. 
Yeah, that's very true. What is the market like where you are right now? I mean, I know it's so hot pretty much everywhere in the country, but what are you experiencing there in Pueblo? Yeah, super hot market, seller's market. Things are selling within under contract from list within the first week, definitely. Some sight unseen because there's not a lot of inventory, lots of cash buyers, people relocating here. So definitely a seller's market selling our our average sale is at a hundred, I think it was a hundred and point one percent the last time that we looked. Wow. And what's an average selling price for you there? So in Pueblo County, the average sales price is about two twenty four. Mm, okay, interesting. And it, would that be about your average sales price as well, or are you? It is. So for our team, so out of the three hundred and nine units, and that includes land sales, so it may be a little bit higher than that, is around two twenty four. Wow. Okay, that's awesome. I relate to that. I mean, you know, we've got. I interview people and they're talking about their million dollar listings. And and listen, when I got into real estate, it's so funny, but I can remember when I was so excited when I first sold my first house over $100,000. I mean, there were plenty of those $45,000 sales and $53,000 and $79,000. And, you know, so it's just so, it's so different. But how do you feel like you've adapted to this hot seller's market you know, is it, I mean, are you working differently than you did uh, before this? Because this, I mean, this is not the norm. Definitely. So we are definitely working differently. So in every marketplace, you have to basically adjust or shift your business. So in a seller's market, I think the key is pricing it correctly, telling them your value. You know, why wouldn't you do, why you shouldn't do it for sale by owner? Here's why. I'm a negotiator. I market your property. You're going to make more money with me regardless of the commission. So those types of things, teaching our buyer's agents how to write better deals. So in a buyer's market, you can get away with a sloppy deals. That's what I call them to our agents. Mm -hmm. So in a seller's market, you cannot. So in a seller's market, it's so competitive that that contract has to be super clean and it has to be very easy for the seller to accept over another another offer and education's the key and and that's what's nice about working with the team is i have 20 years of experience to teach you how to write a clean offer where a lot of people don't get that experience and there's a lot of things in the contract they put in that are unnecessary right and and that's what makes it look like a a sloppy deal so we definitely do you know, our marketing's changed a little bit. I'd say we're trying to um, appeal to sellers, of course, because there's no inventory. So getting a listing is very important. And then educating our buyers. So our buyers have to know how competitive the market is. You're not going to come in 10,000 low and get this house. Right. They're probably not going to pay any closing costs. So there's all these things, but we need to educate that consumer before we go see houses, because they're going to lose a few houses, they're going to feel beat up, and they're going to want to quit. But if they know ahead of time, that that's what's going to happen, it's easier to deal with, because they're going to say, Oh, yeah, you told us to expect this. And I think that makes it a little easier. Absolutely, completely agree. And anything particular that you feel like you would say to it, you know, maybe we're a young agent, a new to the, to this business is listening to the podcast. And what would you say just quickly? I mean, and you hit on a little bit, but a clean offer in summary, what is a clean offer? So to me is taking out, if there's no due diligence documents, which every contract in every state is different. So in Colorado, due diligence documents, if they don't exist, don't put a deadline, make sure you have the right earnest money, make sure Concessions. Do you really need concessions? Is this the strongest offer my buyer can write? So I say we're going to be competitive. Are you willing to go over list price? And, you know, are you willing to pay over praise value? All of those things are important. Sometimes they see like water transfers and things like that. They don't apply. So for a seller, just having to take all those things out of the contract and then maybe getting a better cash deal in between then we could basically rescind 
our counter and take the cash. So you want those sellers to accept as soon as you can. So don't give them a reason to counter is what I always tell my buyers, agents. Right. Right. Don't ask them to throw in the dining room table. (laughs) Right. I get it. What about negotiating? I mean, I'm going to assume you're very successful. So I'm going to assume you're a great negotiator. Any great negotiating tips? I think a lot of agents like to fight, which negotiations is not fighting. So being a bully does not help. So I get some agents that thinking being mean to each other is going to work and benefit for your client, which it never does. So negotiations is win-win. And you have to see what is the, I think the main thing is, what does the seller really want? Is it money? Is it time? Is it a rent back? Those types of things, knowing knowing what their needs are, and then knowing what your buyer is willing to do. Like, are they willing to give them a rent back? So all those things come into play. Instead of just saying, you know, it's the most money, sometimes it's not the most money. Sometimes it's they don't want to give up their house for three weeks or they don't want to move twice, things like that. So knowing what that buyer needs and what your seller needs and trying to make that work and being nice to other agents because you're going to work with them again Mm -hmm. if you're going to be successful. Right, right. So the do you mind to just tell us a little bit about... You're a a woman, you're a businesswoman. How have you balanced just the being pro- a professional and being a woman with, you know, typically we just have different roles than men do in our family life. I mean, do you care to just talk a little bit about that and how you've balanced that in your life? And I don't mean that demeaning to anyone, but, you know, most women do pick up and just are involved in different things within the family and and home than a lot of their spouses or so, you know, I don't mean that in any dis, you know, respect to any women, but Typically, I find that, but yeah, I'm so proud to be a woman and be number one. So we were the first women to ever be number one in our association. So I'm very, very proud of that. And And congratulations for that, because I do love strong, powerful women. And and I'm afraid my whole statement before is going to get me some hate mail, but but I do mean it in the right way. So I love strong, powerful women, and I feel like I am one. So um, please give me grace in the comments. That's right. Be gentle because it's true. I mean, I love my children. They were definitely a priority in when they were growing up and I was doing my real estate. I had games I had to be at. I was a single parent for quite a long time. So I'd have to pick them up to school and take them to school. And I was at every event. And one of the things I think that helped me balance is making them an appointment. Mm. It, It just changed the way I thought about things. Because sometimes it's easier to say, oh, well, maybe maybe my mom can go pick them up or and I could go to this listing appointment or work with this buyer. And I think really treating them as as an appointment was a little different because it's my commitment to them, just like my appointment is a commitment to my buyer or seller. Right. And it it was hard. I would say now with the kind of units we do, I'm lucky because I have adult children. And so and I have grandchildren now, so they spend the night, you know, they're not with me all the time. So I get the best of both worlds, but it's definitely a struggle. And a lot of amazing women are doing it out there. And I just think knowing your children are only young ones. So just enjoy it while they're there, but really, really has some defined boundaries. And one of the things that I found out is most people want to see houses. So when it was a buyer's market, they want to see houses in the evening and on the weekends. So if I couldn't show them in the evening, I would say, well, I have the availability on Saturday, you know, and that always helps. So I think just having some flexibility. Right. That give and take in life. And yeah, it's amazing. So how many children, grandchildren, because, you know, that is a, uh, quite a um, accomplishment in itself. So go ahead and tout that. Yeah, so I'm so excited. So I have two of my own children. And then I have a stepson and a stepdaughter. So and then we have a total of five grandchildren together. So but two wow. of them live close to us. So they're over quite a bit. 
So awesome. Nothing yeah. like the grandchildren. No, so the I, <laughs> yes, it's the reward of getting older, I have to say. It is. Um, I have six of my own. So six and yeah. uh, six, six and under. So it's always fun when we're oh. all together. Yeah, but, that's exciting. And I, I noticed on your, just looking at your website, you have a wonderful little mascot too. I do. I have Miss Lily. <laughs> Tell us about her. So uh, I always tease that she's my husband's soulmate, which is true. That's funny. <laughs> um, we bought her, my daughter and I bought him. We bought Lily for Greg. Uh, I think it's been about 10 years. I think she's 10 years old now for his birthday one year. He, he had mentioned he'd always wanted a small dog growing up. And so we bought him a dog and they're the best of buddies. She goes everywhere with us. She's kind of spoiled. So she's with Greg most of the time, but she does hang out at the office when he's gone and she rides around in the car with me to go put brochures up and things like that. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. She's part of the business. Well, tell me with what do you do to grow and just continue? Because of course, if anybody listens to my podcast much, you know, I'm a person that is really about growth and feeling like, you know, uh, only dead things don't grow. And um, so what do you do personally just for growth? I go to a lot of continuing education. So I'm a big advocate of that because you always learn something from somebody. I just feel like you'll always walk away from a meeting or an education learning something. Even even on listing appointments or with buyers, you learn something. So I'm really big on continuing education. I love to watch and learn from other people. So, you know, with Keller Williams, we have Mega Camp, which is uh, top producing agents and listening to how they run their businesses and what they do differently than maybe what I do. Right. Really hiring the right people, um, setting expectations of people, knowing they need to be producing, they need to be following up, making sure that they're treating the client like I want them to be treated. And just those types of things, I think, bring natural growth. And of course, following up with your past clients, Mm -hmm. because word of mouth is the best thing. So, and, you know, I, I read different books. I know we were kind of mentioned that before we got on, but reading different books, looking at different ideas. Yeah. And what you mentioned earlier, what what are you reading right now? The Millionaire Real Estate Investor. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I'll put that in our notes as well so that if anybody wants to look that up and any high points that you've gotten from that. It's been amazing. So it's, so I've been an investor since I was 27. So, you know, just a few years. And uh, I think what I did is it just had some key points where it's like, oh, that's a way to look at something differently and really how to grow that wealth. And as I was reading it, I'm like, my son has to read this, this book, he has to read this book because I can see him doing that. He's going to, he's going to have real estate. We all have real estate in our lives. We're very um, big on that. So we've done flips. They've always been with us. They've seen our rental properties and things like that, our commercial properties, so that they know that there's value in real estate and it's what we know best. But when I was reading the book, I'm like every young person and I guess young to me is 30 and under should be reading this book to build their portfolio. Mm. And it just talked about how, how real estate is people say it's risky. Well, it's one of the least risky investments you can make because all you have to do is outweigh outlast the market. Right. So as long as you're not leveraged too much, real estate usually always appreciates over time. Right. So looking at that, it was it was just really amazing. It's funny because they had this um, chart in the back and they're like, this is what you should be putting away and this is your free money and that kind of thing. So I haven't had a chance to do it yet because I was reading it while I was on vacation. So I didn't have all my numbers to put in there. But when I was reading, I'm like, why am I not doing this? This should be on a spreadsheet. I should know exactly where I'm at with all of our investments and where I'm going to be at 10 years from now. Right. Wow. That's amazing. And I love hearing you talk about that because 
it's so true. In episode seven, I interviewed Rob Levy. He's a very seasoned, close to retiring agent. But he it was a great interview because he talked so much about you're in real estate. You have so much opportunity to be using this tool of real estate to be investing for yourself. And um, he really talked about that. And it's so important. And I know I missed that piece. Honestly, when I was younger and first in business, I was just selling and trying to keep my head above water and pay my taxes and, you know, just keep, you know, I I was just starting out. I was young, but I look back and I think, man, if I would have had that person that was really guiding me and saying, invest, invest for your future. I mean, that, that was 30 years, uh, almost 30 years ago. And now my life would look so differently financially. But so I love hearing you say that. And I think it's so important, and especially for these younger agents that, you know, they really are thinking about what opportunity they have more than just their neighbor across the street because they are in real estate. And so I think that's great. And I'm, I really appreciate you sharing that and makes me think I'm going to have to pick that book up. So or is there anything else in regard to that, that you just, you know, that comes to mind that you'd want to share in that regard? I, you know, one of the things that I love is um, our co-owner. So Tony, who owns the Keller Williams with me, is he's such a great mind and he really thinks outside the box. And so we we throw a lot of things off of each other and we learn from each other. So one of the things I think I wished I would have known when I was younger is use my resources because sometimes we're afraid to say we don't know, right? Because right. we're younger and we don't want people to think we don't we don't know, you know, we don't know about investing. We don't know about an owner carry those kind of things because you're young, you're young in the business. And, and the more you do, the more, you know, so I think just as a younger agent or a newer agent, really looking at those resources, like hard money loans, is there an owner carry? This is, you know, a trust, maybe they don't want to list it and they just want to have a reduced price and, and sell it. To you and making sure that you have some money available in that book in the in the beginning. That's why they're telling you to save a certain amount of your money because that deal is going to come up. And when that deal comes up, you're going to want to know that you can purchase that property. And I thought that that was really inspirational for for not only me who's seasoned, but saying, "What am I doing with my money? Like mm-hmm. am I investing em- enough?" and And am I a consumer or am I an investor? That really stuck with me because I think you start making decent money in real estate and you can afford nicer things. But to really look and say, am I a consumer or am I an investor and switch that mindset? Mm. That's great. I'm going to print that and be dwelling on that for a while now. Thanks for that. Consumer or investor? Great thought. Do you do a lot of planning for the the upcoming year, setting goals? I mean, how do you kind of tackle that? Yeah, we do. So every October, in fact, I'm glad you said that because I was going to mention it to Sabrina today that we need to get it scheduled. So we do a team meeting. Normally, it's a Normally it's out of the office and we close the office down for the day and we go somewhere different, somewhere we've been to like Salida or last year we had to do it kind of in a local hotel, but we catered in and we did some fun things so that we're not in our office setting and we can all be together. We're not listening to the phones ring off the hook and we start planning. So what, what does our next year look like? What are our agents goals? What are our goals as a team? And if our team goal is this, how are we going to make that happen? What client events are we going to put on for the year? So all those are planned in October for the following year. What can we do differently? What what do you see overall that we could do better? What does How does the market look now compared to where it looked before? Just kind of really it's a it's a huge process it doesn't sound like much but sometimes we don't even get through it all because there's so many things we do sometimes we have to define whose position is what you know what mm. what do you think your job entails like write down your job description 
And sometimes the agents are like, wow, I didn't realize they were doing all that. Or the assistant says, wow, I didn't know there was so much involved in a transaction, you know, on the negotiation side and that kind of thing. So, so we start in October. Yeah. And and, and it's true. And I can imagine, you know, just that that position evolves over the year and, and things do change and people add things onto their plate. And so to sit down and have that conversation, are you setting hard goals for, you know, like this is how many transactions we want next year. This is the monetary, uh, is that kind of thing happening or is it just more everybody coming to in agreement of, of what the, you know, what you want the year to look like in generality? Uh, no. So we're hard goal setter. <laughs> so okay. way overachiever here. So every year we want to do better than we did the last year. So last year, our goal was 250 units. I think we hit 237. So we were all a little disappointed that we were close, but not quite there. So we could have went for 250 again this year, but that would, to us, that wasn't improving. So yeah. our goal is 300 this year. And we break that down saying, okay, Jay, how many, how many units do you want to sell? What does your goal look like? What does your income goal look like? Because sometimes agents coming into the business have more of an income goal than a number. If that right. means, you know, they just want sure. a hundred thousand yeah, or whatever that number is. Right. And so if one of our agents says that, okay, you need to make a hundred thousand. Here's our average price point. Here's our average commission. Mm-hmm. Here's what you need to sell. Right. And then, and then from there, they say, oh, well, maybe I could sell more or maybe, hey, that's a really strong goal. Maybe I should do 80,000, which I try never to let them go backwards. We're always pushing forwards because, sure. you know, they'll hit it. You just have to set the expectation and they're really good at it. So, so we, it's very hard goals. And then we discuss those at every sales meeting. So okay. every week we go over numbers. Where are you at? How many do you have in the pipeline? Uh, how many are going to be writing a contract in the next month? Um, what issues are you having with your deals that maybe we can improve? So we we are definitely goal setters. It's it's on our mind all the time. Oh, I love that. And so you're looking at that every week, which is so important because it's easy to just set that goal and, you know, for starting for in January and August has come and go, oh, wait, I'm, I'm really way off of this and what happened. And if you're not constantly looking at that, and I love that you're breaking it down into how is this going to be accomplished? And, and obviously that's so important. There's a couple more questions that I just want to ask you. One would be, you know, we have agents at all different levels that listen to the podcast and some, you know, they're just discouraged. I mean, I'm sure there's some that say the market's hot. Some people are just blazing a fire and I'm struggling here and, and that's discouraging. You know, is there any time that you've just been discouraged in, in the business and how did you kind of overcome that and work through that? So, yes, I, I tell, it's my joke that I quit this job, you know, once a month. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> I love there's it. always one deal that makes you totally crazy. So I have been there. And so I try and put it into perspective is that what can I do differently? So, you mm-hmm. know, what's the positive that I'm doing? What, what am I really good at? And how can I make that work for me? One person's opinion on me does not define who I am. Yes. You can't make everybody happy. And I think that's been the hardest lesson for me over 20 years is we're normally people pleasers. We want to make people happy. And sometimes no matter what you do, that's just not a possibility. So making sure that the one person doesn't get in my head and defines who I am. Am I disappointed? Yes. But do they really know me? Probably not. Right. And then that just that encouragement, I think having people around you, because sometimes we're all facing the same situation, right? It's a very hard buyer's market, but being able to tell somebody, yes, I'm struggling too. Here's what I did to improve my odds of, of winning a deal or mm-hmm. yes, we're in the same boat. Let's, let's go to a mixer and start socializing with people that any socialization is going to help you 
put yourself in front of other buyers or sellers. There's always buyers or sellers in the market. You just got to find out where they're at, right? Yes. Yes. So not getting, everybody goes through highs and lows, top dogs like me, highs and lows, people just starting out, highs and lows, people in the middle. So it's having a really good support system and having people around you that really want to see you succeed is huge. Yes. Absolutely. And I, it's so important and perspective is so important. And no doubt year one, year two, you weren't the top dog that you were in business and, you know, you had to feel your way and figure out what works for you and what your business is going to look like. And you just keep plowing forward and it's true. And uh, I can remember those days, you know, I, I still have in my memory, almost 30 years ago, driving down the road, my husband and I were both selling real estate and the call came to us that three of our deals that day had fallen through, you know, that were in the pipeline, good deals and just wanted to crawl in a hole and die. And, but you, you got to get back up and keep going. And, uh, and, and that's when I always do kind of just do that little inventory and, you know, what am I doing? What am I doing wrong? What do I need to improve upon? What needs to change? And just get things back in perspective. And then we just get back up on the horse and ride and keep at it. If you're doing what you love, then you just keep at it. So what does the future look like for you, Jamie? So... We are looking to grow our team again. So this year, so probably by the end of the year, we're going to have an inside sales agent and another assistant come aboard, uh, probably wow. another buyer's agent. So we'll have some growth by the end of the year. For me personally, I'm kind of in that area where I'll probably be shifting in the next couple of years where I'm doing more education for agents, really working with my team one-on-one where I can help them build their business teaching class. I enjoy that. I like teaching market analysis, CMAs, that kind of thing. Right. Um, maybe spending more time with my grandkids sounds like an amazing thing to do. So yeah, yeah kind of just a different direction. I'll probably never, like, I'm never going to stop real estate. I'll, I'll die selling real estate or buying it one or the other. Um, right. But maybe do some of our own investments that that book really got me excited again to be like, I should be focusing more on some of these things than I'm doing right now. So just continue to build the business, build a great reputation and uh, help, help my agents become the best agents they can be. Awesome. Well, I know we need to wrap up because you've got some offers to go present. And I want to just tell you, Jamie, it's been a delight to talk with you and you're an encourager. You're a powerhouse and it's been fun. And I just truly from my heart want to say thank you because it isn't every agent that's willing to give of their time uh, to record the podcast. And, you know, it's, you being willing to give back to people that you don't even know. And I just want to say thank you. And my prayer is that you are blessed many, many times over because you're willing to give out. And so thank you so very much because you've had so much wisdom that you've shared. And I know it's going to benefit a lot of people. Oh, that's amazing. Well, that's, thank you so much. I, it, I've enjoyed the whole time. I think it's just a great way to get out to people and hopefully they'll see something in there that sparks their, their flame. And, and even if one person gets something out of it, then it was worth the time. Absolutely. Thank you, Jamie. Be blessed. Hope those offers all work out. All right, April. Thank you so much, lady. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks again for listening. And I'm so appreciative for Jamie just giving her time and sharing with us. And as you heard me say at the end of the interview, everyone is not willing so we're so super appreciative of those that are willing to give of themselves and to share with you so that you can become all that much better. And I truly believe in growth, as I mentioned before. So if you are really, truly interested in growing, why don't you consider a coaching session? Um, October is a great month to start preparing for the upcoming year. And Lord knows we're looking forward to 2021 looking a lot different than 2020 did. Although we do want that hot real estate market to stay in existence. 
But obviously with all of the COVID and things that we've dealt with this year, we're ready to move on to 21 in, in anticipation of a wonderful year. So let's plan it well. You heard Jamie talk about the planning that she does with her team. Maybe you're just an individual still, but even if you are just launching your career, you need goals and you need to have an idea of where you're headed. As a coach, I love coaching my clients that are driven and want to have great success and want to have great balance in their life because obviously all of life is not about working. So if you are interested, I do have exclusive list of clients that I work with, but I'm always happy to meet new people and to offer those strategy sessions with someone that's just curious about coaching. Maybe you don't know really what that would look like. And every coach is not created equal. They do not all bring the same things to the table. I have some amazing tools. And especially if you're a team working together, I have some amazing assessments that are designed for executives. They are so much different than the Enneagram or uh, which would have nine numbers. But I love taking, for instance, the Berkman assessment and looking at how we work in our usual behavior. And when we're not, what our needs are in our life, and when those needs aren't being met, how we typically act in our stressful behavior, and we don't usually like that person. And that's often when you hear people say, that is not me. I don't normally act that way. Why did I do that? It's because there's too many stressful factors in our life that cause us to react a certain way. And understanding that and being aware of that can so help us, especially when working in teams and understanding, as Jamie talked about in this interview, the the people on her team that are really good at those systems and the paperwork. And there's people that are designed for that. You know, their DNA, they were created to be good at those things. And we complement one another. And we really understand why that other person that I work with is extremely frustrated and they're working in a stressful behavior or what their particular needs are, how we work well with that person what they need from a manager or from their employer. So those are some things, tools that I bring to the table, especially in coaching uh, teams and would love to have that conversation with you to see if we would be a good fit to work together. And I'm all about seeing my clients succeed and be all that they were designed to be and continue to move forward on purpose. So With that said, keep that in mind. You can find in the show notes the book that Jamie mentioned in this interview. You can see how to contact Jamie if you have a referral for her. I know she would appreciate that. And also you can find my website and see more about the things that I do as a coach. It is always my pleasure to spend this time with you. I thank you very much and look forward to the next interview that we have coming up. I'm not going to really give you too much about it. I'm just trusting that you are learning that in every one of these interviews, there's some value. And again, give us a good review, subscribe, share with other agents. We do have an investment to put these podcasts out. And I really want to know that you find value in them and we'll keep offering them to you. So thanks so much. Be blessed, keep growing, and don't forget to keep that balance in your life and spend a lot of time with the people that you love because we're never guaranteed tomorrow. Be blessed. Bye-bye.